Hey, paisanos, it's me. Hello and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me is someone hooked on the brothers, Hamish. I love those brothers. I love all the brothers. The Property Brothers, the Mario Brothers. I do remember the theme song. I remember they can't dance, too. Like, I, I, I get the aesthetic, but it's a lazy dance. Anyway. For this episode of the podcast, we watched a 1989 partly animated show about two plumbers and their odd adventures with reptiles and fungi. The Super Mario Brothers Super Show. That's right, Super is in there twice. Uh, More specifically, we watched the episode entitled Crocodile Mario slash Rowdy Roddy's Rotten Pipes. It was the 62nd Uh, episode. I'm sorry. That's we'll the get, worst title. We'll get to oh, it. Sorry, I know why I needed two titles. Well, <laughs> it, one one of the titles is for the animated part of it. The other is for the live action. But uh, yeah. t- together, this was the 62nd episode, and it originally aired on November 28th, 1989. So for the listeners, if you want to follow along with us, this series is currently available to uh, stream on Netflix in the US. But here's the thing. If you want to do this, Netflix actually mislabeled the episode. They really, I guess, don't want you to see it. So if you want to watch it, select episode number 46, entitled Plumber Academy. Now, the thumbnail is correct. You'll see Koopa wearing his outback a hat and vest. But the episode that's labeled Crocodile Mario is actually a different episode. So it's already confusing right off the bat. Now, aside from streaming, uh, this show had uh, numerous DVD home releases. You'd have to check which volume contained which episodes. But one thing that I did read online is that the live action segments are only available on the DVDs that were put out by Shout Factory. (laughs) This is like, it's all messed up. I remember watching this uh, when I was on TV in Australia, but I remember having a VHS. Of just it was just the cartoons, like yeah, they got rid of the live action stuff and just all the cartoons. Yeah, yeah, they did that for a lot of the home releases. They just cut, they cut out our, our live action heroes. Yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm just trying to tell you how old I am because I said I had it on a VHS. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good tape. I mean, you know, you, you couldn't go see your favorite episode. You had to watch all these episodes. I don't know what the numbering was. I was just a little kid, but I was like, oh, cool, Mario, and you yeah, know, I was dazzled by that. And also, where's Waldo, Wally, whichever way you want to say it. Oh yeah, where's Waldo? Of course. Yeah. Okay, now before we talk about this show featuring these beloved and iconic Mario Brothers characters, let me first ask about your history with the uh, Mario game franchise. Which which one did you first play, and uh, which ones did you own? Uh, my experience with the Mario twins, because here's the thing, how old are they? Uh, how old are these boys? Unknown. Unknown. They're timeless. But like, I remember playing Yoshi's Island, at the end of it, you see the two Mario babies. Well, Mario and Luigi babies. Yeah. Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, which obviously we all remember that reference from we'll the get Mario to movie. We'll get to um, it. But that's the thing, like, I can't figure out the ages. This is besides the point, but yes. I remember playing it years ago when I was in primary school. Uh, I didn't own a Nintendo console, right? Uh, my cousin did, who, you know, he had like, a whole bunch of Nintendo games. And so whenever uh, we had to get dropped off and get babysat, we'd be there at a... Uh, my cousin's place and he had everything he had the nintendo zapper and whatever but i remember playing mario back then like in the old days playing classic mario i didn't own the the console i only owned a, a super nintendo years later and i did get it with that yoshi's island pack okay. so this is this is this is why i'm bringing back the whole i don't know how old they are because they have they're twins right the mario twins <laughs> 
Yeah, and with me, I mean, I remember some old Mario consoles still kicking around different places, you know, like the arcade cabinets. But as far as actually playing myself, I got the uh, Nintendo Super NES when it came out, and I got the one that came with Super Mario World, and then also Super Mario All-Stars. So I, I remember, uh, you know, getting to play finally, you know, the full experience of the the first Mario Brothers game, but then also getting to play through Super Mario 2 and 3 and Super Mario World. I used to be able to play at KB Toys. They used to have it set up and you could play it when you went into the store. So mm-hmm. I finally got to, to play through that as well. So a little late to the Mario game, but, you know, got Super Mario World when it just about came out. And so that, that was my ex- early experience with these Mario games. I think that was the best part when um, Mario All-Stars came out. Yeah, you got all of it. Got the whole thing under Lost Levels as well. Yes, that, that too, yeah. But yeah, in my experience, yeah, I was, I was playing the old, old classic, old days, old days? Mm-hmm. The old days classic, that's how I speak now. Yeah, the old, old, <laughs> back in the day uh, game. I just remember uh, a lot of, not yelling, but just like confusion of like where to go. Because again, there's not much of a story beyond popping it in and playing it. Kind of just going from left to right and that's it. But yeah, I mean, that's, that was my experience playing those games along with Duck Hunt. Zelda, uh, original Zelda, and then, you know, best Zelda that came on Super Nintendo, or SNES, or SNES, whichever way we're saying it these days, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. But yeah, I feel like, you know, Mario is one of those things where it doesn't matter whichever time you get into it, the the formula still works, and, you know, when you start branching out and seeing what they did with the franchise, you start going, wow, they had no idea what they were doing with this franchise, no. outside of the video games, you know. But yeah, that's why we got a show like this, you know, that kind of gave us some backstory. There was even uh, a, an early Valiant uh, comic book series for this show, too. This was mm. uh, before Mario Mania really took hold and that <laughs> whole backstory, that whole universe was kind of filled in. Is there a, I was going to say Mario Mania. It's, it's funny to bring up Mario Mania with this episode. It's Mario Mania! <laughs> no? okay. WrestleMania. Oh, I see. I see. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. All right, now, just a little <laughs> history. Uh, Mario was created in 1981 by Nintendo's founder, Shigeru Miyamoto, as the protagonist of Donkey Kong, which a game he was making with original characters because he couldn't get the licensing for the characters of Popeye. So Mario was actually, as many know, based on a real-life person. He was the landlord of the Nintendo of America warehouse, and his name was Mario. Mario Segal? Segali? Uh, The game went on to be a success, and Mario went on to star in over 200 games and counting now. And now he's the face of the company. Mario Mario Segali? Wow. He went on to become, like, the face of the corporation? Yes. Good for him. Even though the Mario Brothers have been such a wildly successful franchise in the video game world the same cannot be said about their appearances in other media uh, mario first appeared in a cartoon based on popular video games of the day called saturday supercade that aired on cbs uh, various video games had animated segments in this show and uh, there was Cubert, Frogger, Pitfall, and Donkey Kong. And those Donkey Kong cartoons, which totaled 19, uh, aired from September 1983 to October 1984. And uh, you know who did the voice of Mario in those? Um, Barry Gibb. Nope, Peter Cullen. Knew it, I was very close though. Optimus Prime. Yeah, we, 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 he's also the voice of Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how, how dare you how dare you betray his greatest role Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh so so five years <laughs> you got a problem with him playing Eeyore no no it's like, just... it's like at no point did he say to Winnie the Pooh it's like oh bother what am I gonna do <laughs> you should roll out you know 
that's that's what you ought to say say to Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, Suck yeah. it up and roll out. Let's go, piglet. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> so. Anyway, five years later, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show would begin, which, you know, we'll get into shortly. But uh, one thing we have to mention, and you kind of hinted at it earlier, Hamish, is the Super Mario Brothers movie that came out in 1993, starring Bob Hoskins as Mario Mario, John Leguizamo as his brother Luigi Mario, and Dennis Hopper as Koopa. Now, have you ever seen this film in its entirety? I own this film in its entirety. Me too. I ha- I, I, <laughs> here's the thing. I saw it on VHS when I brought it from the, the video... Let's say video library. That's not what that used to be called. Video rental place. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, I mean, by the way, we have, I think, one, maybe two blockbusters left in Australia. Just letting you know. Wow. They're still around. Um, for them? I mean, like, this is like the very last... I think... It, it actually could just be two. Anyway, this would be beyond the point. Yeah, I, I saw that movie, and I now own it on DVD because I went out and got it because I was like, I'm going to get this thing. I know people bag video game movies, right? Like, Res- the Resident Evil movie series, garbage. Uh, except for that first one, if you just want to treat it like a zombie fun movie. Not for the kids. But anyway, um, that Mortal Kombat movie was good to a point. We got a really good song from that. That had a really good theme music and it's been going on forever. The Super Mario movie, I think it's genius. It still works today because here's the thing. Everyone can complain about going, oh, it's not what we wanted. I'm like, yeah, we know it's not what you wanted, but it was ahead of its time. If you go to, uh, let's say, uh, Tumblr or DeviantArt, they were doing that kind of stuff years, like, you know, years later. You know, when you've seen some um, fan art and it has like Mario and Luigi and they're wearing like combat gear and they've changed the whole thing to a dystopian wasteland. Have you seen that kind of stuff? No. I, we're going, I, I, keep going. I, we're traveling to different circles here on the internet. Anyway, yeah. but um, yeah, there, there's, a lot of fa- there's a lot of fan art who do like their version of what Mario and Luigi look like. And, you know, they put them in a dystopian wasteland or they put them in like, you know, a uh, futuristic world. And they come up with their own ideas. Like, you know, this version of, you know, the, the Mario Brothers, it was a unique perspective. I get it wasn't what people wanted. But if you look back on it now, it's just like, okay, once if you deconstructed the idea of Mario and made your own version of that concept that's what it is right if you're looking for something which is a one-to-one copy of what you wanted yeah it's, it doesn't work it doesn't work at all but if you're looking for like an artistic deconstruction of what you think mario can be and coming at it and from a different angle it was like i'll put it this way it's like rebooting a franchise when the franchise didn't exist you know yeah 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 it's like you know when they um rebooted uh batman batman to be more this kind of ninja Christian Bale kind of character. When beforehand, he was kind of just like from whatever Joel Schumacher did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of goofy. And that's what I mean. It's like, you know, you're taking something goofy and then bring it back down. And that's what they did, kind of did with the Mario movie. They weren't bringing it back down, but kind of making this kind of pseudo sci-fi movie. Yeah, and starting at that point. It's yeah. starting there. It, it's, it is insane. It, it, like, it reimagines, for those that haven't seen it, it just reimagines the world of Mario and Luigi as we knew it up to that point, as just this dark, gritty, industrial nightmare scape. Yeah. But this is where it started. You know, Koopa kind of has lizard-like qualities. There's a little dinosaur that looks like a little Jurassic Park dinosaur, and that's Yoshi. Well, the thing about it was it's supposed to be that um, there's another world where dinosaurs evolved into humans. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the concept. Yeah. So it's like a bunch of dinosaurs were around, but they all lived underground and they you know evolved into humans. And that's the like I mean that's their idea of it. Like this is to explain this whole situation. I mean again, I when you saw the movie when it first came out, you're like, oh, this is dumb and stupid. But when you think about it, it's like, no, nah, this is actually pretty good. 
like from my point of view, I'm saying it's pretty good from a, a point of view of someone who, let's say, you're taking something and trying to make it, you know, I guess slightly more mature than it really needed to be. Yeah. Because Mario is like the Disney of Nintendo. You know, he's a, he's a safe character. And you can't do too much with him, even though he's a vaguely 30s plumber, 40s, 40s. Yeah. He has a mustache, so he's <laughs> he's keeping that pretty tight. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like they really kind of reworked the whole idea of what Mario is. And I think today it's, I'd say still, it's a good cult classic film to rewatch. It's interesting okay. to look at, but like, you know, it's like, I, I th- I'd hold the, the Mario movie over the Resident Evil movies, just because the Resident Evil movies tried too hard to, they kind of took everything that people liked about the games and just went, we'll just take this. This has no context. We'll take this. That has no context. But with the Mario, they kind of try to rationale everything, especially the Mario brothers. Mm-hmm. But it's like, isn't Mario their last name? The yeah, Mario brothers. They, they, they at least treated Luigi like a human being. Not nowadays where they treat him like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, if you actually sat through the movie, and this isn't like really a spoiler or anything. If you sat through the entire movie, sat through the credits, there was actually a bonus scene in that movie where Nintendo executives express interest in buying the rights to the character's story to make a video game. And so it, it could be thought that the Mario Brothers that we're all familiar with is merely an interpretation of the events of the movie and not the other way around. It, it's crazy, and it's kind of interesting to think about it that way. Like, oh, you thought that this movie was weird. Well, it's actually normal and the video games are the weird interpretation. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting what they did there. <laughs> but anyway. Alright, that's enough about the movie. Just a little backstory on the uh, cartoon that we're discussing today. The Super Mario Brothers Super Show came about by a push from Deke Animation to get Nintendo to license their video game characters for an animated series. Uh, it was distributed by Viacom and Nintendo of America. It had a 52 episode run that aired from September 4th, 1989 to December 1st, 1989, with new episodes airing four days a week, Monday to Thursday. And it was a first-run syndication order that had reruns that additionally aired until September 23rd, 1991, and then throughout the 90s it was distributed further. But basically, they made about four seasons worth of episodes and pushed them all on the air in a span of about three months, and then turned around and re-ran those episodes for another two years. Yeah, take that, Netflix. <laughs> no, really. You don't know. You don't know what you don't know what you're dealing with. Netflix. These guys were geniuses at the time. It, it's pretty amazing. And of course, you know, we weren't really old enough to watch these as they were coming out. But imagine you get home from school, new episode. Get home from school the next day, new episode. Get home from school the next day, new episode for months. I mean, that's amazing. It, it wasn't just once a week like you would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's a interesting idea. But also, I guess they really wanted to push product and really get it out there. Oh, yeah. You know, they they really just want to make a buck from this pretty quickly. But it's funny having Deke animation. It's funny because, like, they started trying to integrate... Because in one episode, you did have uh, another Deke-owned character, Inspector Gadget, turn up on the show. Yes. Which is the weirdest thing. And the best thing about it was that it was played by Maurice LaMarche. Yeah, primarily a voice actor. We know him from so many things. He's, you know... Uh, Kiff Croker on Futurama, and that's just, you know, completely underselling his career. He's done a million things. But, yeah, a, a rare live-action Maurice LaMarche playing Inspector Gadget. Yeah, a- appearing on this li- on this Super Mario Super Show. And that's the weirdest thing, because it's like, it's Super Mario and Inspector Gadget. Two things which have nothing to do with each other <laughs> at all. The only connecting tissue is the Deke uh, animation group. 
But again, it was fascinating. You get some of these weird kind of crossovers, especially in the live... It's just the live segments. Like, he wasn't in the animated stuff. It's just in the live segment. But anyway, we'll get back into that later on. But I mentioned, like, Super Mario Brothers, it aired Monday through Thursday. But on Fridays, they did something different. Now, another Nintendo cartoon, The Legend of Zelda, ran in that spot. Now, Zelda only had 13 episodes in total. And that's because it actually aired once a week. It, it what? Really... Once a week? Once excuse a week. Excuse me, Scott. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Also, excuse me, Scott, but this is shoehorning in a reference. <laughs> Your excuse. <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't work out any other way of getting in there, but whatever. <laughs> Enjoy. But this show, you know, it was intended to be pretty much just a marketing tool, like you mentioned. It's just going to help further promote the characters from Nintendo's already popular video games, uh, Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 2. Those are pretty much what was out at this point. But probably the most memorable parts of these 52 episodes were the live-action segments. And these featured wrestler Captain Lou Albano playing the title character of Mario, and even dancing for the opening and rapping the closing theme. And we also got actor Danny Wells playing his brother, Luigi, in these, these live-action segments as well. Even though there were 52 episodes, they produced 65 live-action Mario and Luigi segments, and that's because the extra 13 were used on Fridays to introduce Zelda, which is pretty funny. <laughs> you see, how old were these guys when they did this? They were older. Oh. I, I didn't look up their ages at the time, and unfortunately they have both passed since, but uh, they were mm. they were older than you would expect the characters to be. Well, here's the thing. Here's, here's some realism that they're putting into this whole Mario Brothers thing. Again, the age thing is a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where, where you look at him in the, on the cartoons or uh, any of the products, it's just like, he looks like a short guy who's pretty happy with life. You know, it's like, hey, I got a mustache. Ah. But like, you see the actors, it's just like, you know, you want to try and match a certain age, but you can't because Mario's short and looks like a lovable dude. But then in real, real life, the guy has to be of age. So it seems to be like, uh, we'll just get a bunch of 40-year-old guys. Two 40-year-old guys, and put them together. I mean, getting the dance was is an issue. <laughs> just be, not not, well, not yeah. because of the age thing. It's just that they have no coordination at all. <laughs> these guys these guys have no idea. Like, there's no real choreography. Just like, uh, walk in, step, step, point, point, left, right, they're done. Yeah, I just looked up the ages. They were older, um, older than I thought. Uh, Lou Albano was probably about 55 or 56. And uh, Danny Wells was about uh, seven years younger than him, it looks like. Seven or eight years younger. So, yeah, they were older than you would have expected uh, Mario to be. You know, but it's hard because you got these video game characters. At this time, they just look like pixels. Uh, now we have, like, the whole 3D version of Mario, and he just appears to be kind of this timeless character. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting just, um, from the perspective of trying to sell market Mario it's 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 quite interesting especially yeah this is sell, sold to an American audience and they actually went with an authentic kind of like hey we need some guys who look uh, Brooklyn plumbers sound like plumbers sound American and that's the assumption but then you see like what they do with Mario now especially for Mario 64 he's like it's a me a Mario he's like higher pitched cartoon character yes yes very 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 much a cartoon character but yeah like you were saying these were very grounded human characters uh they are from brooklyn in this in the show you know these live action segments uh they uh, well i should explain each episode featured three segments the it was bookended by live action segments in the middle was the cartoon and we got lou albano and danny wells as the you know the mario brothers and 
they basically had those live action segments set in a set that was like their dingy Brooklyn plumbing business, but it was like their office slash apartment, this set. Yeah. And so the it was uh <laughs> it was an interesting way to frame these episodes, we'll say. Yeah, I mean like, you know, the, the, they wanted to make it kid friendly and also they wanted to have someone to host these episodes. I mean that's it. They used to do that here in Australia. I mean they still do it now with certain kid shows where you have to have like someone introducing the episode. Well, it's like, hey, we're introducing this episode, blah, blah, blah. But like with this, they put in some context for like these people introducing it. And especially for the fact like, hey, it's a real live action Mario Brothers, guys. You know, Mario mm-hmm. Brothers. Check it out. They're real. But it is interesting just to track the history of this kind of stuff where, you know, you have you actually got live action actors playing these characters. And now these days they can just animate Mario into the Olympic Games if they want to. Nowadays, it would be completely CGI'd all the way through. No introductions. They wouldn't be having fun playing around with the, uh, the the two different types of show and merging them together. It would just be a straightforward cartoon. Yeah, I mean, uh, Charles Martinet would actually get a lot of money from this. You know, being, <laughs> Our being the voice, voice actor. <laughs> but no, he's, he's been doing it for like years, ever since I think Mario 64. And there is an interesting video you can watch uh, about him getting that job, which is, you know, for everyone to find on, on the internet. All right, Hamish with some homework for the listeners. But uh, no, but these live action stories, it was, you know, again, interesting to have them as, you know, accompanying the the, uh, cartoon. But what was great about them is that they had these live action guest appearances from some really big celebrities of the time. I I just kind of made a a list here. We had Ernie Hudson show up in this show. Ernie Uh, Hudson? Yeah. From Ghostbusters? The very same. Uh, Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper? Which, of course... (laughs) <laughs> from girls just want to have fun yes of course and if you know that music video captain lou albano played her father in that in that music video so you can see the connection there uh nba superstar magic johnson showed up in this show the magic johnson wheel of fortune letter turner vanna white showed up in this i'm not entirely sure who that is because i'm australian i know you well you guys had your own wheel of fortune we had our own wheel well she was the lady on, on our sh- on our version of wheel of fortune that Turn the letters over. Wait, was she in the um, uh, NES version of Wheel of Fortune? Probably. Actually, I think she was in... Uh, wasn't she in uh, The Naked Gun 33 and a third, The Final Insult? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so there, there you go. And then we also had wrestlers show up because of Captain Lou Albano's wrestling background. Probably guys he knew. People like Sergeant Slaughter and, of course, Rowdy Roddy Piper, which, you know, hold your thought. Hold your thought. We'll get into it. And uh, Alvira also showed up, as well as, as you mentioned, uh, Inspector Gadget, played by Maurice LaMarche, which is great. Hold on, hold on a second. Did you say Alvira? Yes. They allowed that on the kids' show? I don't, you know, I didn't see it. I don't know what uh, what they chose for her wardrobe in that, but uh, yeah, she showed up in it as well. <laughs> okay. All right, now strangely, now listen to this. After the show's initial run, during its first run of re-airings, the shows were, like, drastically altered. They, they took out... All of the Lou Albano, Danny Wells live action segments, they took all of it out. And then they replaced it with new live action segments. So instead, you know, you're watching the reruns and instead you get these two kids named Tommy and Tammy Treehugger. And they were like big Mario fans. And they were with Cool MC, who was uh, responsible for uh, interrupting the Deke <laughs> Studios satellite feed. And uh, allowing their, you know, the, their show to be broadcast like they're interrupting the feed, that type of thing. And these segments proved to be very, very unpopular <laughs> to the point yeah. where the, the original Mario and Luigi segments were restored 
following the 1990-91 season. And now, you know, we see them back restored, like when you watch them on Netflix. Like, I get it's a smart idea to try and just keep the show going. Because, like, here in Australia, we had a... Um, I'm trying to remember what it was called. I renamed a bunch of times. It was, like, the Warner, the WB Kids. Or before that, it was a Warner Brothers show. Mm-hmm. And they just keep showing the, the Looney Tunes cartoons, right? And the thing is, you know, you'd have different hosts. I mean, like, I, I swear I saw different variations of this show throughout my lifetime. And they just, you know, obviously, obviously swapped the hosts. But then you'd still see the same cartoons again. they just do, you know, go like, all right, guys, time for another uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> Check it out. And that's it. And you'd be like, oh, I've seen this one five times already. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know, not not this week, but like, yeah, maybe in like the last two months. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's a, it's a marketing idea, but I guess that, you know, when you have two annoying kids and... Who's the other character? Cool MC. I, I didn't... I've never seen these before. I'm assuming this is some sort of DJ or some sort of person at the controls or something. Was he a guy or like a puppet? I want to say puppet. I have no idea. If anybody knows, you know, send us send us a tweet at Hitting Play. I have no idea. Cool MC. Yeah. Now, those are just the live action things we've been talking about. The cartoons themselves, personally, I found them far less interesting. They had many, many animation mistakes, even source material inconsistencies. Like, I, I mean, obviously, the world wasn't that flushed out at that point, but the star granting firepower in some instances. And the stories were very simplistic. They were most often superficial parodies of other pop culture properties of the time, like Star Wars, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, James Bond, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Robocop, you know, and well, another one we'll see in this episode we'll, we'll get to. I didn't care for the cartoons as much as the live action stuff, personally. So uh, you're all about the live action rather than the animated? All about is uh, quite an interesting way to describe it. I would say far less interested than that, but more than uh, more than the cartoon. I liked seeing the uh, the Captain Lou Albano Mario more than the animated one. So when you're a kid, you would rather watch a guy walk around dressed up as a video game character rather than seeing the video game character animated okay, being well, himself. These by the time I was like the age that this like the target audience, these yep. weren't on TV that much for me. Yeah. So I, as a kid, I would probably say the cartoon is what I'm what I want to see. And like, let's get these live action guys and their overalls out of here so I can watch some Mario cartoons. But now looking back, like, I think it's far more funny and interesting to see these two actors play the live action Mario brothers along with special guests every episode. I think that's more funny to me. <laughs> that's okay. Pr- that's, that's, okay. I, I, I agree. I agree. It's like, I'd rather see these two clowns clown around for my enjoyment rather than watch animated Buffoonery. They were very much trying to sell a product. I, I, I get it. I mean, like, you know, I mean, you get, you, I think America had a better idea of what they were trying to sell. If you look up any ads for the Nintendo here in Australia, you will find a creepy ad. Oh, you showed uh, me this. Uh, yes, I did. Oh. You'll find a, a creepy, weirdly computer animated monstrosity telling you that you cannot beat Nintendo. Like, it wasn't like you can't beat the games. It's like you cannot beat Nintendo. Us. You cannot beat yeah, us. Yeah, us. Us. You cannot us. feed us. You'll find this old Australian uh, ad for the original Nintendo. Uh, and again, they had no idea, how, I guess, how to sell it. But yeah, it's like <laughs> a weirdly 
vocoded voice kind of thing. It's it's this kind of weird mix-up where they didn't know exactly what they were selling. I'd, I'd say they didn't know what they were selling. They were just trying to sell as if it was like an arcade game. But like, yeah. you know, it just had these kind of creepy looking dire straits monstrosities. Yeah, serious money for nothing vibe coming up. Yeah, money guys. for nothing vibes. Just basically going, you cannot beat us. We are Nintendo. Like... It's like oh. if Sega said, like, we're going to come into your house and break all your stuff. If you try, just try and beat us. That's try and beat <laughs> us. We're Sega. You can't get us. We're Sega. That's right. We had a Sega world in Sydney for a while. That's right. You can't beat us. Oh, wow. what? No one wants to go to Sega world? I guess we're just closed down now. I guess you have beaten us. They really had a Sega world in Sydney? Yes. Yes, they did. Did they paint we, the, uh, the opera house blue to look like Sonic? What? Why do you think? <laughs> Sorry. So you want to take an Australian icon and go? Let's just turn into Sega guys, and make it look like Sonic. It's like well, no, we had, the technology did not exist at that time for them to paint the the paint well, they the could shine house. blue lights on it at night. How about that? But again, the technology didn't exist in that way. But here's the thing: now you've said that, and there's that Sonic movie that's coming out with yeah. Ben Schwartz. I'm now worried that that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I'm now very worried <laughs> that when that live-action movie makes its round down here in Australia, Ben Schwartz will be stood out front of the opera house as they, you know, paint it blue with a big old projector. Ah, oh, great, Scott. Now I've got that in my mind. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, come on. If, if Ryan Reynolds can be Pikachu, then this is going to... Oh, no. We got to move on. This is worrying now. We do. But yeah, that just going back, that commercial, very, very frightening. Check it out. I'm sure Hamish will uh, tweet out I'll the post link them, to it. I'll yeah. post it on Twitter. You'll be able to find it and scare your kids. <laughs> All right, so back to this cartoon that we're talking about. After the series was complete and Nintendo released more Mario games, it became, or, you know, was followed, however you want to look at it, by two additional series. The Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3 in 1990 and Super Mario World in 1991. Now, later, there was even more tampering with the show, the Family Channel previously aired the Super Mario Brothers Super Show slightly slowed down. Why? To fill in the runtime? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting you bring it up. It's the opposite version they did with um, the Seinfeld episodes, because they would usually, um, depending on what network you're on, they'd speed it up a little bit, just because the episodes were running a little bit too long, and they wanted to get through it and fit into that kind of um, half-hour time slot. Yeah, that is so weird because, you know, obviously we're so used to now shows making syndication cuts. You know, if mm. you, you're used to seeing like The Simpsons on your local Fox affiliate and then you go buy the DVDs, it's like, oh, wow, where does this, where was this joke before? I've never seen it. It's because they, they cut it to make room for commercials. You know, half hour shows are now 21 minutes, but yeah. this show was slowed down a little bit. Then in 1993, the Family Channel aired Super Mario Brothers Super Show, just the cartoon segments that were time compressed and combined with cartoons from Super Mario World to make a, you know, I'm putting this in quotes, new show entitled Mario All-Stars. So they were just slicing and dicing these shows, all this footage. I gotta say, it sounds like they're all trying to keep it on brand, though. Um, there's another Mario game coming out. Mario, uh, Super Mario World. Yep, we'll call it Super Mario World. It's like, oh, it's Mario 3. Mario 3, we're going with that one. Yeah. Oh, there's another, <laughs> there's an All-Stars game coming out. Oh, oh it's an All-Stars now. Just add, add Frankenstein together. Yeah, exactly. But uh, ultimately, the show would have VHS, as you mentioned, DVD, and now streaming releases in most of their original formats. Uh, the animation portions, at least, intact from its original runs. Except for music. We're going to talk about this. Music that cannot be cleared for rights issues. Most of these episodes contained one featured song, which was actually, like, a really big hit in most cases. Uh, and there's no way they'd ever 
pay to get these songs cleared for future releases. I was looking at some of these songs. I just wrote a couple of them down. See if you've heard of them. Uh, Bad by Michael Jackson. I Heard It Through the Grapevine by Marvin Gaye. Uh, there was a Beatles song in there. Uh, Thriller, Michael Jackson. Uh, Born to be Wild, Steppenwolf. Uh, I Feel Good by James Brown. White Wedding by Billy Idol. Thousands upon thousands of dollars they would have to pay to get these you know, on your DVD or streaming services now. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You can still get it on um, VHS. And on VHS, I do remember, um, was it Rolling in the River, was it? And Bad? I remember, here's the thing, I distinctly remember those songs. The, the episode I remember Rolling in the River is that for some reason, Mario and Luigi are trying to stop a gambling ring. Yes, on the riverboat. One of, yeah, on the, on the riverboat. <laughs> yes. And it's like, and then they start running around. I remember distinctly because like Mario and Luigi are wearing suits, like with hats and stuff. Mm. And then when someone realizes like, hey, these are the Mario Brothers, and they pull the suits off them. Underneath the suit, they're still wearing their like plumber overalls and hat. <laughs> and it's like, how does that fit underneath all that? And then they start running and they start playing the song. But I do remember Bad being in one of the tracks. Yeah, I mean, imagine they actually <laughs> used all of this music. Uh, the episode that we watched for this episode of the podcast, I did not see a listed featured song. I'm not sure if there was one or not. I mean, it would have to be Land Down Under, right? It would have to be. And I'm not, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying they're going to Down Under Land in this episode. I know. <laughs> we have other songs. Look up Daryl Braithwaite Horses. That's a better song. But would they play it with Mario? Come on. You know which one they go for. I don't care. I, I just play that track over anything. Play Daryl Braithwaite's uh, Horses whenever you want on any show. You'll feel more relaxed. It'd be great. All right. So let's get right into this episode and let's see how well this show captures the world of Super Mario, okay? All right, so we begin with an animated Mario face welcoming us to the show, along with the show's title. Then the live-action Mario and Luigi dance from either side of the screen as we get the shows open. Now, this show, it's like a, a, an opening rap, and the backing track of this rap is actually a version of the Super Mario Brothers game music, along with some real sound effects. This is something they always use in the animated segments as well. It's kind of one thing that I really actually like about this show is that they use real sound effects and real music. Also, they use a uh, real blue screen. Oh, a lot of, a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's just funny because the fact that, yeah, they, um, uh, you have the Mario twins, these two boys, basically dancing on a blue screen <laughs> yep. or green screen, up to you, which one, whichever one they used. I'm guessing it's blue screen because that explains why their shirts are white and that, you know, you, you can see Luigi's outfit. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's if that's you a see, very good point. If you see the rest of the episode, they're wearing blue shirts. So, yeah. yeah, I'm guessing somebody realized that, ah, oh, wait, we can't use green or blue because Luigi's going to ruin this entire thing. I didn't, I yeah. didn't see that. Again, it's one of those things if everyone's knows, watches the um, opening and they're like, why is he wearing a white shirt? Mm. It's like, yeah, he has to wear a white shirt because if he uses a blue shirt, it's going to go right through. I feel bad for the weatherman that was standing aside waiting for these guys to finish. <laughs> That's how cheap they were. It's like, come on, guys, I got I to gotta read the seven day forecast. <laughs> I don't care about your choreography. But no, it's interesting because, yeah, it's like animated stuff and you have the boys turning up and like dancing along and then like running on the spot as they move. Like it's, it's yes. weirdly cropped where, they, where they're running on the spot to make it look like they're running in the background as they move them from left to right of screen. They really kept it on brand. Well, I mean, this was I mean, this was 1989. OK, so we had Who Framed Roger Rabbit around this time. Blending live action and cartoons was a pretty amazing feat. Of course, they're doing it like the <laughs> cheapest way possible. <laughs> 
You can't compare Who Framed Roger Rabbit with this. It's like, when I'm thinking of quality, I think of the Super Mario Super Show opening. And then I think of uh, the other movie. You know, the movie with the rabbit and like the live action things. Anyway, no one will remember that. Yeah, yeah. The landmark cinema and then this terrible syndicated show. But uh, yeah. this open turns to clips from the animated portion of the series. We get Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, and Toad. Uh, and there, some of their run-ins with Koopa. And those are pretty much the main characters we're going to get here. Like you said, we get the blend of action and, you know, the from the live-action characters as well as the, the cartoon characters, the running in place while the characters are kind of on a flying carpet. And uh, this opening ends as the theme song winds down with the echoing line hooked on the brothers and the flying carpet with the main characters circling the Mario face from the very beginning. So they're just like, just mixing whatever they can. Just trying to hey, make something that moves they, they, around and has bright colors, pretty much. <laughs> Mostly they're trying to keep it with the kids. I mean, it had a rap. Yeah, By did. the way, this is one of two raps, which is w- wildly confusing. It's like, we need a rap for the opening of uh, Mario Brothers, because Mario Brothers always represent rapping. Uh, and also we need another rap for the animated part. So we get this opening to the episode. Now this fades to our first live action segment of the show. And its title, because like we mentioned, it's odd that the the live action segment and the animated segments have different titles. So it's like an episode within an episode. So we zoom out from a picture of the Brooklyn Bridge with the Mario Brothers plumbing storefront on the neighborhood below. This is our fake establishing shot. And as we zoom in on the plumbing (laughs) sign, we fade into the interior as we get the words on the screen. Rowdy Roddy's Rotten Pipes. That just sounds wrong. (laughs) Inside, uh, we see Luigi is fretting as he's looking around the apartment. He's tossing plumbing-related props around. A lot of plungers in this show. We'll get into that. In By the way, I, I, I would like to point out that Luigi does look like Salvador Dali. He does. Yeah, doesn't he with the mustache <laughs> and everything? Yes, that's yeah. true. It's his, it's his whole look. Like, you know, it's just, he looks like Salvador Dali wearing a Luigi costume. <laughs> Which in itself is art. It's, you know, I think it still works for you know, his surrealist ideas. Yes, and definitely there's a uh, persistence of memory when it comes to the mm. show, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, he's saying to himself, you know, like, what am I going to do? And he's throwing all this stuff around. He asks Mario for some help because the mean and fearsome wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper will be arriving at any minute. And Mario steps over, pushing a vacuum cleaner made of bagpipes that are strangely playing some Scottish bagpipe music. Now, as Mario pushes the vacuum across the floor, Luigi explains that Rowdy Roddy Piper brought his bagpipes to the store to get fixed, and now they're missing. Uh, Mario continues cleaning the same spot on the floor and says, you know, we're plumbers who fix pipes, not bagpipes. But evidently, we learn that Luigi was too afraid to tell Roddy that, uh, you know, he doesn't do that and he just accepted the job. Again, it's surprising in the series that um, the Mario Brothers seem to find himself fixing things which aren't plumbing related. Because <laughs> yes. I remember in the in, in the Inspector Gadget one, they need to fix these gadgets. And it's like, okay. It's like, if I go to a plumber and go like, hey, um, can you fix my VCR? It doesn't make sense. Well, here's <laughs> the like, thing, right? They're plumbers and they have like an office or, you know, this building that they do their work from. You don't mm. normally bring your plumbing to the plumber. They're usually on call, but they're, yeah. we're stuck in this set, so people have to bring stuff to them. What are they going to bring? A toilet, you know? So they got to bring something. <laughs> Fix the <my> toilet. <laughs> so, someone coming up to me is throwing a toilet at their feet, going, "Hey, Mario Brothers, fix my toilet." Why? It seems to be not connected to my house. <laughs> how can how can this be? Uh, so the doorbell rings, and Mario tells Luigi, "You know, vacuum a little bit to relax. I'll get the door." 
Mario walks up the stairs to the front door, which is up on street level. Just as Luigi notices that the vacuum looks a little familiar, uh, Mario waves it off saying, you know, I fixed it with some old junk they had lying around. Mario opens the door and there stands Rowdy Roddy Piper in full wrestling attire, yeah, his hot rod shirt and his red kilt. And uh, Mario announces to Luigi it's a hairy lady in a plaid dress, which enrages Roddy, telling him that that's a mistake people make once. Hi, Scott here. I just had to call attention to the fact that Hamish is about to make a great Rowdy Roddy Piper reference, and I am about to completely miss it. I heard it on the second listening, and uh, yeah, you'll hear Hamish's frustration. So sorry, listeners, and sorry, Hamish. It, it is pretty funny. I mean, especially for Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, I guess he knew where these Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. he knew these Mario Brothers, and he knew where they live. Yeah. Yeah, he's in town, we learn. He's in town. Uh, And now back to the show. Now, Roddy continues to yell and and hiss, and I mean literally hissing at Mario, demanding his antique heirloom bagpipes. And we cut to Luigi as he realizes what happened. He says, "Uh uh-oh, as we pan down to Mario's homemade vacuum cleaner, and it's basically bagpipes with all the attachments of a vacuum cleaner stuck to it. Roddy comes down the stairs to the main floor to confront Luigi about his vacuum, but Luigi claims, oh, you know, it's it's not his bagpipes, it's uh, an imported Scottish vacuum cleaner from the McBronx Vacuum Cleaner Company. So in his gravelly voice, the skeptical Roddy makes Luigi turn it on, and when he does, we somehow hear a tune being played. That's how it works. <laughs> so... <laughs> We, we get a camera cut, and Roddy kind of leans down for a closer look or listen. I'm not really sure what he's doing here. And when he gets up, he has a face full of dust or smoke or soot or something. Not I really believe sure. it's I believe it's a um, smoke or something. <laughs> I don't know. Even I can't figure it out. It's, I'm guessing it's just dust. Yeah. But I like afterwards he makes this bizarre face. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, really, he's really mugging for the camera there. He contorts his face so much in this episode. And he's coughing, like shaking his head from side to side. Uh, He's really earning his paycheck here. Mm. And Luigi turns to Mario. Mario, something tells me we blew it. And the two brothers look at each other in confusion. And we're left on a cliffhanger as the animated segment now begins. I guess Rowdy Rodder Piper came in for two things. Kick Mario and... Get bagpipes. <laughs> and he's all out of Mario. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right, so our animated segment. We get the cartoon title card flying into frame, along with a full opening theme song. Again! Another two rap. openings. Yeah, two opening s- uh, sequences for this show. You're talking about cuts they could have made to these shows. I mean, right there. Two openings. Uh, This time, the opening sequence shows only animation. We get Mario and Luigi working on a clogged bathtub and getting sucked down the drain into the Mushroom Kingdom. Kind of like uh, their introduction to, you know, this world. A little bit of an origin story, kind of. We see Koopa walking towards Peach and Toad, who are stuck on the edge of a cliff. And then the Mario Brothers kind of rolling out of a pipe, knocking out a row of Koopa Troopas and making Koopa flee. By the way, I I I will point out, Luigi's the one doing all the work there. Yes, yes. He's he's the one flipping and he's the one rolling in front of it, and like he, he's he's um he's doing all the work. Plus, also when he was working on that drain, he was the one working on the drain until he got sucked in first. But whatever. 
Yeah, Luigi, um, both live action and animated. He's the one doing all the work. I'm saying Luigi's really um, bossing Mario around here. You know, <laughs> Luigi has more status in this in this show. In the live action TV show, he has more status. I yeah. don't know what happened to him, but all of a sudden in the games, it's just like, nah, no, nah, he's just a wimp. This brings us to the title of the cartoon, Crocodile Mario, written by David Schwartz. Uh, Crocodile Mario was an attempt at a Crocodile Dundee parody, which, of course, was a very popular movie in the United States in the, the late 80s. Uh, this wasn't even the first Crocodile Dundee parody that the show did. Oh, <laughs> two, no. Two months earlier, in the 11th episode, the, uh, the I think it's the 11th episode, the, the live-action segment was called Alligator Dundee, where a Paul Hogan-type character helps the Mario Brothers with an alligator puppet, pretty much, in their basement. Mm -hmm. This was so popular, they went back to the well twice, or, or the pipe, I should say. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, Hamish. I, again, I'm sorry for what we're about to put you through. It's just funny that they had to kind of keep going back to it, yeah, and go like, oh, we, we need more of this um, popularity kind of thing. Let's, let's go with uh, another Mario does an Australian thing. So this cartoon, Crocodile Mario, begins. We start with a view of Down Underland as some sort of, I don't know, synth pan flute arrangement of Waltzing Matilda is playing. Uh, that, that, that is nowhere near Waltzing Matilda, but I'll go with it. Well, isn't it like a sound-alike or something? Listly, mo I'll put this, this, this episode is very loosely Australian. Well, we should talk about this. The physics of this place are maddening. I'll, I'll try to describe it. We see the planet, I, I'm not sure if this is even Earth, but we see the planet with massive tall trees coming from its southern hemisphere, and built upon those treetops are towns and walkways, but these towns are all built upside down from the perspective of the planet below? If you can picture giant trees hanging down from the bottom of the globe, then wooden buildings built on the ends of those trees, with the roofs pointing back up to the planet's surface, and the foundations of the buildings pointing out into space. There's also patches of land out there in space, too, for some reason. Somehow gravity points away from the planet here. It makes absolutely no sense. It can't even be drawn properly, so at times we'll see tree roots growing up into space, rolling hills randomly in frame, and empty space appearing the whole time as a generic purple background. And it's infuriating even trying to describe this. <laughs> it's, it's apparently down underland. I'm sorry, you're, you're infuriated. I, I'm watching a thing called Down Underland, and as the episode goes on, it gets worse for me. Well, it's like, did you... <laughs> but here's the thing, I'd say these guys spent more time doing research in Australia than the, the guys in The Simpsons. Well, okay, well, listen. Yeah, just We're not going to get into it. <laughs> Please see our previous episode. Hamish joins us for the uh, Simpsons Go to Australia episode. All right, so we start with Mario speaking to his plumber's log with entry number 3312. Uh, we should note that even though none of this episode has anything to do with Star Trek, Mario for some reason starts every episode with a plumber's log entry. Well, you know, he's a plumber and he's seen uh, quite a few logs. <laughs> Because he has to write these things down. Because he has to go to places and write down, oh, I went to this place. That's what I'm saying. He's oh, logged oh, like a ledger. He's, like yeah, a ledger. like a ledger. Because remember, oh, he's okay. an, he has to log his work here for claims and things like that. Like, you know, you know you've, never, you've, you've talked to, like, private contractors. They have to log all this stuff for tax purposes. You. You know. I thought you were... Um... <clears throat> what? No. Talking about poop. No, this is not that kind of podcast. How dare you <laughs> insinuate that? 
Uh, okay, so as we see the group of Mario, <laughs> Luigi, Princess Peach, and Toad walking down the wooden planks towards the town, Mario explains in voiceover that they're in Down Underland to find a statue that can help the princess protect her kingdom. Now, as they continue walking, we see a group of kangaroo-like creatures with faces that have the uh, the, the same face as the egg-spitting character from Super Mario Bros. 2, Birdo. Yep. But they're wearing, like, crocodile Dundee-inspired hats. The type of hat, it's a slouch hat. Slouch hat? Yep. Okay. Well, let's see now. It's especially what um, the Australians, uh, well, I would say, like, the Australians wore, but um, the Australian military, it used to be part of the, the, the uniform. Okay. So because of Crocodile Dundee, it's become a very stereotypical thing. So that's what they're wearing. And they even have little birdos sticking their heads out of the pouches because they're very much uh, kangaroo-inspired. Now, as the group enters the town, they arrive just in time to witness the statue getting stolen from atop its column in town square by Koopa, who is also decked out in his Aussie gear and now known as Kangaroo Koopa for no reason whatsoever. Here's the thing, all right? <laughs> for me... I know, this is very insulting. But for me, when I see Cooper dressed up like that, he looks like a character from a TV show we had called Genie from Down Under, mm-hmm. uh, about two genies who live inside an opal. You know, a standard kind of story. But he looks like the character from the TV show called Otto von Meister, played by Mark Mitchell. So if you look up Genie from Down Under and look up Mark Mitchell, you'll see a character who looks very much like what Cooper looks like in this episode. Oh, funny. Yeah, I'm just bringing it up because this is called Down Under, and we had a show called Down Under, and Genie from Down Under was actually a local show. I don't know why they call it Genie from Down Under, even though he's, a, he's an Australian genie from Down Under, and it was made locally, so, you know, it's it's kind of weird. It's like if, you know, you're in America, and you decide to make a TV show called Genie from America, yeah. and it was an, an American-made show. It's like, okay. Yeah, a little redundant. Mm, genie, <laughs> genie from Up Over. <laughs> now... Hamish, we, we need to stop here and describe this statue. It's basically a gray stone statue of Paul Hogan as Crocodile Dundee, right? Uh, for legal purposes, it's not, but we'll say right. yes. <laughs> and I don't know how a statue is keeping away alligators? Crocodiles? Crocodiles, right? Crocodiles. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> Maybe it's because they're, they're afraid of, of Italian marble? I don't know. I know, really. It, it makes no sense. Well, of course, to, to say that this makes no sense. Koopa stealing a statue makes the most sense of anything in this episode. So I, I can't, you know, complain about this. Mm. But uh, as Koopa runs away with the statue, the mayor of Down Underland, who is a mushroom with a mustache and a monocle, yells at him. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I know how that's Australian. His voice is very annoying. He's he's got a he's got a slouch mushroom head like the hat that he's wearing it's like part of his head is yeah that, is that what it is, is it, it's, a, it's a hat right or is it, is it his head oh Mar- see Nintendo kind of commented on this recently and I forget what the verdict was whether that's part of Toad's head or if it's a hat mm. I think it's his head I think because they're mushrooms I think that's what their head looks like because the, the, the mayor we should describe you know they look like. Him, the mayor and the townspeople look like residents of the Mushroom Kingdom. They look like Toad that you know from Mario, but, mm. you know, dressed up, they all wear vests because I guess you guys all have vests in Australia, right? And monocles? That's an Australian yeah. thing? <laughs> yeah. Vests and monocles. Totally Australian. I mean, we're basically, this is why Chris Pratt would love coming down to Australia because there's a lot of vests. <laughs> I'm saying this because if you notice in a lot of Chris Pratt's work, he wears a lot of vests. <laughs> if you've noticed, he's a, quite a collection of vests. Now, the mayor here, he has a digitally pitched up voice, 
And the voice actor is putting on a terrible Australian accent. Every line of his dialogue also uses some term like mate or good day. Yeah, I, I, I think he, when, when they came into it, like he says like, oh, we're not having a good day. Yeah, Something yeah. like that. I get it means like good day in shorthand, but you know, we don't say it because he sound like an idiot. It's like, oh no, I'm not having a good day. Oh, this good day is not a good one. I have a very interesting point about this mayor. It's based on a, a something I looked up. Now, that's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. See our next episode. I'll continue this this thread. Just remember this mayor. Okay. 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 <laughs> I, will, so, I will remember this mayor. Okay, so as Koopa runs off down the wooden plank walkway, the town now, because the statue is gone, the town begins to be overrun by slow-moving crocodiles. Oddly, these crocodiles make their way into town by just walking on that solid purple area, which is supposed to represent the void of empty space in this cartoon. So again, nothing makes sense in this show. Many times, well, all, we'll, the characters well, will be standing on empty space. Also, it is fun to notice that um, Koopa looks like a crocodile. And the crocodiles look like Cooper, so I am not sure what's going on. Because they're like, they're lizards, but also he's a lizard, isn't he? Yeah, he's reptilian. So it's like, why is he scared of the statue? Right. I, th- I think originally... <laughs> I know, it's I a, know. Just like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there's, there's, no, there's no theories behind this, where it's like, how come these crocodiles who seem to bear the exact same striking resemblance to Cooper are not scared of the lizard-scaring statue, which Cooper isn't scared of? Yeah, he's he is reptilian. You would think it would be a general sense of fright it would put into a certain type of animal, not just specifically crocodiles. Hmm. Originally, if you really want to go into the Nintendo history, I think Bowser was supposed to be an ox in design, but then was uh, turned reptilian based on how he came out. But anyway, yeah, crocodiles <laughs> invading town now, walking over empty space. They should be falling off the planet out into space. The mayor says to Mario and the group, it's not a good day, mates, of course, yeah. Um, that magic statue that Koopa stole is our protection against the crocodiles, which, okay. So that's that's the basis of this episode. So we cut to the mushroom citizens of Down Underland fleeing their homes, running towards the crocodiles, and they're just flailing about, running on the solid purple, which again represents empty space. This whole episode will just break your brain if you think about it too much. But uh, worried about the crocodile that's very slowly approaching Toad, They all look over and warn Toad and and talk about how worried they are. A lot of standing around and slowly reacting. Finally, Mario jumps on the crocodile in an attempt to wrangle it. He does this because he's hungry, and if he doesn't get to eat, then a crocodile shouldn't get to eat one of his friends. A true hero. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's a great mantra. So Mario's riding the crocodile, smacked off by its tail. It turns around to face Mario and Luigi. Uh, Luigi pulls out his toilet plunger to try to intimidate the crocodile. Mario holds up his plunger and says, You call that a plumber's helper? Now this is a plumber's helper. Uh, 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 this is such a bad uh, reference. This is a reference to the scene in Crocodile Dundee. If you haven't seen it, some guy holds up a knife to Crocodile Dundee. You call that a knife. This is a knife, and he's got this huge knife that scares the guy. But this reference was so poorly done, I didn't even catch the reference on the first viewing. I think what I was thrown off by uh, was the term plumber's helper. Do you guys use the, the term plumber's helper in Australia? No. <laughs> plumber's helper is usually the assistant who comes in with him. <laughs> you know, that's it. Like, you know, he's other... Yeah, it's... That's it. It's like, if I say, oh, he's Greg, and Greg goes, hey, could you get the plumber's helper? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, just Dave over there. 
that's the plumber's helper. He's the guy who hands him the tools when he's underneath the sink, you know. But yeah, I, I don't. I just plunger. Just use a plunger. Maybe it's regional. Sometimes that's the case. I've always heard it as a plunger, not a plumber's helper, which I thought was kind of interesting. I thought, well, maybe because it's children's television, they kind of want to avoid potty humor, so they don't want to use the word plunger. But no, we get the word plunger later on in the episode, so I don't know. I feel like a lot of cartoons about this time had a lot of plungers, if you notice. Like in DuckTales oh, yeah. and things like that, like guns had little, you know, I mean, I get this supposed to be like, you know, toy guns with like stick things on the end. I can't remember the name of it. I've, all I can think about is plunger. It's like a toy gun with a plunger on the end. It's funny, when you mentioned uh, plumber's helper, like meaning like an assistant, the only thing I could think of is uh, Rocco's Modern Life, when Rocco <laughs> uh, got a job being a plumber's assistant, and yeah. all he kept doing was pulling up the back of the plumber's pants to uh, hide his crack. Hey, exactly. could you get that? Thanks a lot. Hey, could you get that? Thanks a lot. That's all I can think of with Plumber's Helper. That, that, sh- that show had a lot of repetition. Turn the page, wash your hands. Turn the page, wash your hands. <laughs> oh, uh. man. Okay, so we got to go back to this. But anyway, the crocodile lunges at Mario, and instead of sticking the rubber end to the front of the crocodile's mouth, that's what I thought was going to happen, yeah. he somehow wedges the whole thing in, standing up. It's like propping his mouth open. It's almost like uh, what Luke Skywalker did to the Rancor in Return of the Jedi, if you can imagine that. Yeah, I remember when Luke was like, quickly, hand me my Jedi's helper. You mean the lightsaber? <laughs> yeah, that! That makes him sound like more of a klutz. Ugh. It's like he has, he, he's still new to the game of... Jediing, and he has no idea what to call things. I mean, he's thinking Han Solo would call, probably call it a Jedi helper. He had no idea. I don't think yeah, he'd yeah. even call it a laser sword. He'd be like, "Look, where's your Jedi's helper thing? <laughs> you know, the light, the, the torch. I don't know where it is. I have no idea what I'm doing." <laughs> so the crocodile just immediately freaks out and takes off. So that's good. Now you got rid of your weapon. Princess Peach exclaims, Way to go, Crocodile Mario! So now we have the names Crocodile <sighs> Mario and Kangaroo Koopa. At least Mario's makes a little sense, because he defeated a crocodile. Well, no, uh, yeah, maybe Koopa defeated a kangaroo at some point. But it's a funny thing. I guess. He said Kangaroo Koopa, but like there are no kangaroos in this episode. There's the Birdaroos. No. Birdaroos, yeah. This is the weirdest show. <laughs> oh, it's awful. But okay, so the excitement short-lived because more crocodiles slowly approach. The mayor tells him to follow him to the only safe place in town, the top of the general store. I didn't know he said general store. The way he said it sounded wrong. <laughs> Everything he says sounds wrong. Because <laughs> I thought he said, like, like the juggler's store or something like that. Like, quick, they're the juggler's store. Yeah, he, yeah. Sa- he sounds so high, like, high-pitched and he's trying so hard to do an Australian accent, but it just comes out like, yeah. juggler's store. I watched it with subtitles, to be honest with you. Because just in case. <laughs> Great. So they run in, slam the door, and panning up, we now see Peach, Toad, the mayor, the other mushroom citizens. They're all on the on the roof of the store looking down. Uh, Mario and Luigi didn't go with them. They stayed outside. Now, Peach asks the mayor what will happen if the crocodiles decide to chew the building down. And immediately, the crocodiles decide to chew the building down. We cut to uh, nine crocodiles chewing at the base of the store, frantically chomping up a cloud of sawdust and slowly lowering the roof of the store down to street level. And the mayor tells him that the statue is the only thing that can save them now. So Peach calls down to Mario and Luigi, who are surrounded by crocs themselves, to retrieve the statue. The first crocodile conveniently spits Mario's plunger back at him. So he has Luigi hop on his back and they use the plunger as a pogo stick bouncing from crocodile to crocodile, down the wooden walkway, and out of town. Well, it looks like town. I don't know. Let's go to the next scene. Did I go too far from what I can see? And what we call town is basically some 
very generic wooden buildings. Yeah, the building background. That's yeah. it. Next, we cut to Mario and Luigi placing a wooden log raft into a river, which uh, the river somehow exists upside down, suspended in midair here. <laughs> also, did they they made this raft? I, I mean, I was one. I had this in my notes. I'm like, where did they get this raft? And then later in the episode, Luigi quips about. Oh, I knew we should have built this raft with brakes. So yeah, they actually instantly built a raft. How'd they cut the trees down? How'd they tie them up? I don't know how they're surviving in a hostile landscape. You tell me. It's just, these guys are these guys are living by the seat of their pants. The, the seat of their overalls. Yes. I like how you have an issue with the physics. That's it. It's your problem the entire time. It's like, this design is insane. There's a Sky River, a Mario, there's a Luigi. How'd they make this? I know, I know what it, they were saying the obvious when we're taking the Mickey out of these um, old cartoons. It's the easiest thing we're doing. It's like, oh, these old cartoons are terrible. There's like some nostalgic value of watching them and they're quaint and their stupidity. But come on, this is really dumb, even for a cartoon like this. But at the time, you, you got to think no one else was challenging them. <laughs> you got to say that. Like you look yeah. at other animated shows at this time, like they've got some really sweet budgets and really slick animation. But these days, this is the best they had. No one's going to stand up to them and go like, "Hey, this is this is wrong." And there well, were commercials. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like there was no, there was, wasn't like YouTube where people can make their own animations and right. just throw them up. But nowadays, it's like, no, you have to be an adult. You have to go through all these things. You have to go <laughs> jump through the hoops to get an animated show out there. Yeah. Well, speaking of throwing up, let's get back to this episode. Uh, immediately, they encounter trouble as the purple kangaroo birdos, which, like we mentioned, were, here they're called birdaroos. The ones we saw at the beginning of the episode are now lined up, just randomly spinning eggs at the Mario Brothers. Uh, we're told that they're mad that the swamp is being invaded. Although, why weren't they mad at the beginning when they were there? I have no idea. But also, it's, it's, it's surprising that Mario can't just jump on these people. Right. He jumped. He jumped on those crocodiles, and they didn't die. That's true. Well, maybe maybe it's Super Mario Two physics. Mm. He has to actually lift them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but fortunately, with all these eggs flying through the air, not one of the like twenty thousand eggs flying at the Mario Brothers hits them. A couple maybe land on the raft in certain shots. It depends on which shot. Sometimes they're gone. Sometimes they're there, and uh, they're using their plungers to paddle away. Now, as they quickly speed down the river, which now looks like rapids all of a sudden, we see Koopa along with a small group of Koopa Troopas, all in their, you know, outback clothes, surprised that the Mario Brothers have picked up his trail. It's like, what trail? Why is he standing next to one of the only ways in and out of town? Mm. Why is Koopa still in Down Under? Why, why does Koopa want this statue anyway? Like, what's the whole point of this? I just need something for his house. <laughs> I guess. That's it. There's, there's, there's nothing beyond that. I just, lo I just love he's he's standing next to like the only way in and out of town. Like, hey, how'd they find my trail? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you standing there? Also, it's, it's fun to point out that um, he's voiced by uh, Harvey Atkin. Great voice. Yeah, he's voiced multiple characters. Uh, you also might know him as the voice of Sam from Sam Max, Freelance Police. If anyone remembers that very short-lived cartoon show. And we should mention, too, speaking of the voice actors, Mario and Luigi are voiced in the cartoon by Captain Lou Albano and Danny Wells. The live-action guys are actually voicing the cartoons here. I think it's interesting for the fact that for years, I assumed that's what Mario and Luigi sound like before Charles Martinet came along and uh, did his version of these characters, which are higher-pitched mm -hmm. and everything like that. I mean, I mentioned it before, like, where, you know, where everyone knows Mario now is like, Hey, it's -a me, a Mario! You know, that mm -hmm. kind of high pitch. Well, this one's like, hey, it's me, Mario! It sounds like that. Also, Luigi sounds like a real man in this. Well, in uh, the games, he just sounds like a 
young idiot. He's like, ooh. He sounds like that. Yeah. Oh, no. He sounds like that. Yeah. Which do you prefer? Do you like the video game version or do you like this cartoon version of the voices? I like the cartoon version of the voices. I do, too. I really do. Yeah, I just like those voices. I mean, like, I get why they went with the the easier, you know, high-pitched, friendly option, because it's it's yeah. more marketable, because if you play it across other countries, it's easy for them to pick up, especially if you're, I guess, selling over to Japan or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's a lot easier, because it just sounds very cute, and you can, you know, the sound bites don't need to be too specific. I mean, you just have Mario going, oh, mamma mia, like that. Yeah. That's it. That That's all you need, because, you know, if you start using a real guy, it's like, hey, mamma mia. <laughs> Oh, my problems. Oh, no. Yes. That Bowser's coming after me. You see, you see him. In, but which, you know, it'd be weird if you had that voice in Smash Brothers where he versus fighting Snake. So Snake's all like, I'm going to fight you. Like something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally could not think of one reference that Snake says in that game off the top of my head, which is a problem. Because <laughs> now I'm only thinking of this, this Two different Mario voices in my head, trying oh, no. to get them to say the lines. But again, Mario doesn't say too much in those games, does he? Not anymore. Not really. It's yeah. not like he was in um, Super Mario Sunshine, having a bit of a monologue, was he? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as Mario and Luigi float down on their raft, Koopa orders his uh, his Koopa pack to boomerang them. These are the, the Koopa troopers that are with him. So they begin to throw, of course, boomerangs. And at the same time, the Birdaroos spit more eggs at them. But again, you know, nothing's really hitting them here. There is a, the animation shows like a sea of weaponry and eggs. And they're all missing. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah, they're now, fine. Mario points out to Luigi, he's more worried about the rabbits up ahead. And we cut to see that, yeah, up ahead, the fast-moving river turns into even more treacherous, zigzagging, rock-lined rapids. As they move forward, uh, we cut back. We see Peach, Toad, the mushroom still atop the general store as it continues to lose height. Now, if you kind of count it down, like, they should be all the way down. Like, they're gone at this point. But no, every time we cut back, they're still kind of hanging there. It's surprising those crocodiles are really chewing into it. Like, they're still going. They're not slowing down like, oh, maybe we, <laughs> maybe we made a mistake eating this piece of building. Yeah, they're yeah. eating wood. They're eating wood, brick, wiring, anything that's in the, inside the house as well. Tables, yeah. chairs, porcelain. The whole thing. And, and Peach, Toad, the mushrooms, they're all hoping that the statue's brought back before the building collapses. And the mayor agrees, pointing out that uh, some of the crocodiles now have a grill set up for the big barbecue. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. They're standing up on their hind legs with a barbecue set up. <laughs> like, quite obviously, setting up a kind of spit roast. And, and like, you know, we have kind of creatures that are animal but they act human like kind of like koopa but the crocodiles were pretty much animals they're pretty much just real crocodiles except now they kind of have take on some human characteristics like standing up and yeah building this barbecue <laughs> getting ready now cutting back mario and luigi are heading to a big bend in the rapids which has them speeding towards a big rock koopa just looks on and laughs he, he says to himself some sort of pun on down underland because it's where the mario brothers went down and under Hey, it's a good joke for... Is it? Because going down and under, like, being buried, you can't bury anything in Down Underland. It's just suspended in midair. Nothing can be buried. Yeah, that's a, that's that's why it makes no sense. It's a good joke. Uh... It's a great joke, Amish. You're right. So, <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Because imagine if they died and he buried them and then they go up. The perspective of this is that they're going down to the center of the planet, but up... Because everything's upside down. Yeah? I guess. We'll draw a map later. It's a very confusing. 
they they didn't think about the like they didn't think about it that far. I guess they were like, uh, we need down under. This is fine. Everything's upside down. This makes absolutely no sense. But this uh, this whole you know very tense scene. What's going to happen to Mario? We don't know. This fades to black, and we cut to commercial. So at this point, the show goes into a commercial break. Let's take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves. We'll we'll try to clear our heads. We'll uh, take a break, and we'll be right back. Come on down to Greg's Discount Discount Warehouse. We have nothing. We've discounted everything. There is nothing in this warehouse. It's only the warehouse because everything's been discounted. Do we have chairs? No. Furniture? No. Plumbing supplies? No. Because there's nothing in this warehouse at all. Everything's been discounted. Listen. There's nothing in here except for the warehouse, which has also been discounted. Come on down, bring your friend, show them an empty lot. We've got everything you don't need and don't have. We don't have anything, but come on down. I'm lonely this Thursday because uh, the rest of the days I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a job. Open from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. And we're back. Okay, now when we return, Mario and Luigi continue at dangerous speeds on their raft towards the rocks. As Luigi laments the situation, Mario holds up his plunger and bends the wooden handle into a curve, declaring that his plumberang will save them. Oh, he couldn't just say boomerang, just plumberang. That's the problem you had with this? <laughs> Is the name? Yes. Yes. Not the fact that he was able to bend wood. <laughs> My problem is that you just said plumberang. Just say boomerang. Like, it, you, you're turning it into a boomerang. You know, that's, that's my only issue. Everything else is fine. <laughs> it all you know, works 100%. other than that. <laughs> 100%. You know, you know, Mario bending wood, that's okay. Calling it a plumberang, bad idea. He tosses the curved plunger off the side of the river, which hooks onto some tree vines and brings them back over towards Mario and Luigi. They grab a hold and swing away to another wooden walkway just before their raft smashes the rocks and breaks apart. All right, so they're saved. Back to the general store, we see that it's maybe about two-thirds the height it was before? The speed of this destruction, like I mentioned, it just wildly varies from shot to shot. Princess Peach then says, another few chomps and we're goners. It's like, well, not really. Uh, the mayor tells everybody to head for higher ground, and then he just casually and really effortlessly jumps from the roof of the store to another lower point, and then all the way up to a branch of a nearby tree, and somehow the rest of the group just does it too. If you could leap and bound that easily, then you're fine. You have no problems <laughs> with these crocodiles. Well, I guess this is before Super Mario 2, so, you know, Peach didn't know how to... Well, Princess Toadstool didn't know how to float across these things. Well, it's around the same time as the game. Yeah, she should have floated. Hmm. Hmm. All right, so now safe on the tree branch, they're approached by an angry koala, whose home, I guess they have now taken over. But uh, that safety is very short-lived as the bask of crocodiles walk away from their chomping of the general store and begin to bite the base of the tree. And yes, I did look up the collective noun for a group of crocodiles. It is a bask. Mm. Bask in these bask of crocodiles. <laughs> I was writing in my notes on like a group of crocodiles, and I was like, well, what are they called? It's not a group. Yeah, it's a basque. So at least there's one thing you could take away from this episode. One, one minuscule piece, one small morsel of value is a basque. That's it. That's all we can learn. That's You're all. You're not going to learn eight. There's no Australian <laughs> culture to be learned. <laughs> no, no. 
Well, you tell me. I, I shouldn't say no. I don't know. You tell me. How accurate is this so far? Oh, very accurate. <laughs> have you been to Australia? <laughs> no, but watching this episode, it's like I have. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Don't bother, bother coming to Australia because this is it. This is a um, 100% travel documentary. <laughs> now, right now, are you on the top of the Melbourne General Store? No, I'm not <laughs> in top of the Melbourne General Store. It's not like that's where I'll hang out. I, 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 I go to a house, which is upside down. Oh, so you Plus have your... rules. Okay, you have your statue. I'm sorry. I was under the impression that they were kind of rare. No. Everyone has a statue. You know, the coat of arms that we had of the emu and the kangaroo, it was replaced with that statue. <laughs> and um, in, inside our houses, uh, everything's upside down. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is how it works. Okay. All right. So, back to the episode. Now, for the hundredth time, Peach says out loud that the Mario Brothers better get back with that statue. From here, we cut back to Mario and Luigi just aimlessly walking around trying to find Koopa and the statue. Evidently, I guess there are some random islands of grassy land, so that's the terrain that they're walking on now. And just when they talk about losing Koopa's trail, which, again, they never had anyway, they have to jump out of the way of a charging horde of crocodiles. They realize, okay, well, if the crocodiles are scared of the statue and they're running away, then the statue must be where the crocodile tracks are coming away from. And next, we cut to Koopa, fast asleep in a chair, <laughs> next to the statue, in his tree cave? Uh? Like, why is Koopa still here? Why is he sticking around? At one point, I'm thinking, is this even the Koopa we know? Is this just Kangaroo Koopa? Is their down-underland version of Koopa? Doesn't make sense. Well, again, like, they had to explain, where's Koopa? He just took the statue, and then he's sleeping in a tree. Yeah, it's like if the statue had like a giant ruby or something, then you could go, okay, he wants something valuable. But no, it's just a regular statue and he's just sleeping in a tree cave. Yeah, that's it. There's literally nothing beyond like, I'm going to use this to you know, destroy this planet. Or it's like, I'm going to use this to gain powers. It's just like, nah, I just want it. That was it. That's, just I just want wanted it. it. Yeah. Okay, so Mario grabs the statue. He and Luigi begin to run away, but Luigi, of course, trips... Waking up Koopa, who now sees Mario and Luigi with the statue, running down the walkway away from his lair. By the way, I will point out this statue keeps changing proportions. Yes. I'm gonna say for this, for this <laughs> yes. cartoon, but like from the initial <laughs> standpoint, it's basically the size of the statue of David. Yeah, that's my assumption of the weight and the size. But then the next part that comes up makes no sense at all. Yeah, Koopa chases them down, and we see Koopa is much faster than Luigi. Maybe because Luigi, uh, like Super Mario 2, pedals his feet really fast. I don't know. <laughs> so with Koopa gaining on Mario, Mario then tosses the statue back to Luigi, and the two begin to play keep away as all three of them are running forward. If you can imagine that, all three are running forward. Mario and Luigi are still playing keep away as they're running. But yeah, mm. the, the statue becomes much smaller, much easier to throw and catch at this point. Makes no sense. <laughs> the further we go along, the worse it gets. I know, I keep saying it doesn't make sense, but like, you know, it's just the visual of them throwing a statue. Again, which is the size of the statue of David being thrown back and forth between two guys. As they're running, that statue has to be, what was it, like six ton or something? Oh, it's it would be ridiculous. If it was the, you know, that size, it would be very, very heavy. Yeah, like 12,478 pounds. I'm just, I'm just saying, based on the initial size we saw and how big it would have to be to keep these things away, you know, keep the, the crocodiles away, like, they'd have to see it, right? Yeah. Like, see it. Before they, you know, get scared of it. Yeah, but it's not just the sight of the statue that scares them. We'll get into what actually does it. 
I'm just saying, it's a heavy statue. It's, it is a very <laughs> heavy statue. But, uh, so, all three of them run towards town now. They all make their way back in, and the crocodiles look at the statue with wide-eyed panic. Okay, so, like you said, they see the statue, and they're scared. So hmm. that, okay, alright. So maybe it's just the sight of the statue. Now, approaching the tree, which is almost completely chewed through at this point, Mario tosses the statue up to Peach. And now, he tosses it up to her. It's the same height as her? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she's like the tallest of the group. She's taller than Mario and Luigi. I mean, this yeah. thing is going to be so heavy. I mean, I don't know about you. I could not catch a statue the same height as me. Yeah, I don't know how he's heffing that statue. Like, you yeah, grab it and running <laughs> along with it. And then throwing it with great momentum up into a tree. Yeah. Like, Mario was just before and was talking about, like, yeah, I want some uh, pasta, some lasagna, or whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's just like, nah, I'm literally the mountain from Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's insane. Like, he's this little short dude's like, Argh! and I get it. And I get it. It's a cartoon. Yeah. But at the same time, just need some realism with this cartoon. Yeah, a little realism. Come on. So next, Peach easily hops down from the tree, runs across the purple void, which presumably should send her hurtling into deep space. But no, she places a statue back on the pedestal it was stolen from. Peach asks the statue to protect the town again and gives it a kiss on the cheek. Inexplicably, the statue begins to blush bright red and then emit these beams of like purple radial energy which then begin to panic every crocodile in town and sending them fleeing. So at first we were to assume, like you did, that it was the sight of the statue, but no, it's actually these, well, not quite invisible, but these beams of energy coming from it that are only activated by kissing it? I don't know. <laughs> Again, we just see, we saw an Italian plumber throw a giant statue at a woman who was a, who's been told to carry it and put it into place. She's fine. She can do that. She's been hitting the gym. Uh, <laughs> she puts it in place, then decides, oh, I should kiss this thing. When there's no other point in this story was it told that this thing's alive or sentient, but apparently it is. She kisses it. It goes red because apparently it's alive. And then it's like a radio tower. Yeah. That emits, emits these beams. That's how that works. With that all going on, Toad now tosses a lasso halfway across town. <laughs> <laughs> pulling the Mario Brothers safely away from the crocodile stampede back towards the tree. And with everyone now safe, Mario points out that Koopa is now the one in danger, and the group, along with the townspeople, collectively laugh as Koopa is bitten on the seat of his pants and chased out of town. The mayor thanks the Mario mates for making it a good day, and Mario proposes throwing a pizza on the Barbie. And I'm so sorry, Hamish. Hamish, I'm so sorry. My culture feels like I've it's been destroyed before my eyes. <laughs> throw a pizza on the Barbie? Here's the thing. You can do that. There is nothing wrong with throwing a pizza on the Barbie. Sure. But I'd rather go, go to a pizza place and get them to make it for me. Yep. If you get a frozen pizza and you throw it onto a barbecue, it ain't going to cook no good well. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I'm going to sell. Unless it's a frozen pizza... Right, and you throw mm. it onto your barbecue. It will cook, unless it's like got a thick base to it. Like, you know, you can get those frozen pizzas with like a good bready base. It might work out. You might get a grilled bottom. But most of the time, people just put it in and it just kind of just melts through <laughs> the grill into a weird kind of Cronenberg-looking mush. <laughs> you know. But I get what his whole intention is to throw a shrimp on the barbie. Throw a pizza on the barbie. Yeah, exactly. Again, he's, he's Italian. We get it. <laughs> Ugh. 
It's okay. So on this pizza on the Barbie line from here, we immediately fade to black ending the cartoon. Now this ends the story, but I just wanted to go back for a second. Remember Mario's plumber's log narration at the very beginning of this cartoon? The, yes. the whole reason why Mario and the crew were in Down Underland in the first place, do you remember that? Um, basically for uh, uh, tax purposes? Mm, that would have been a better episode. They were, they were seeking a statue that could protect the Mushroom Kingdom. So they weren't really there to help the townspeople. They were there to steal the statue themselves. They only became the heroes of the story because Koopa got to the statue first. So basically, what happens, they came in going, well, we better steal a statue. Oh, Koopa's steering a statue. And it's like, I guess we should get it back, shouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should do it. Hey, Mario, we should put the statue back and leave it here as if we weren't going to steal it in the first place. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea, Luigi. Let's sidestep out of this place before anybody questions the reason why we turned up in the first place. <laughs> also... Let's ignore the fact that the princess is here and she was put in mortal danger. Why does she have to come along with us in this situation? It makes no sense. But then let's pretend that there was no town. The statue was there. It was free to whoever sought it out. How was this going to protect the Mushroom Kingdom? I mean, why did he, Why did Koopa want it? I mean, are there crocodiles so prevalent in Super Mario that this statue is necessary? I, mm. I'll answer it for you. No! No! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Here's the thing. If she was trying to use it to keep away, let's say, crocodile-looking meanies, yeah, that's a that's a thing. It it didn't seem to work on the 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 meanie big crocodile man, Cooper. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it doesn't. I don't know these cartoons. I, but again, we're talking about two guys who are fixing Rowdy Roddy Piper's bagpipes. You know, that's a great point. Like you mentioned before, you know, if this thing worked on all reptilian creatures, then yeah, that's great. You get the statue, you, you put it in the Mushroom Kingdom, Koopa can't go near it, he's frightened of it, and you save the kingdom. Of course, now it's complicated by the fact that it doesn't work on Koopa, and you're stealing it from people that need it. Like, they're in danger if they don't have this thing. It just makes for a really stupid episode. Yes. <laughs> 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 I, I can't I can't argue it throughout this entire thing we've been saying this is weird this is stupid it's like we know it's 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 a it's a it's a major issue we next now fade back to the live action segment as Rowdy Roddy Piper is washing the soot off of his face in the Mario Brothers sink he tells them that they better be done fixing his bagpipes but Luigi has no idea what to do while he has the bagpipe vacuum like up on sawhorses he tells Mario to buy some time by playing some bagpipe music so Mario scrambles to a case of cassette tapes and in a panic puts on some Celtic keyboard music. Yeah. Which, he, which by the way, he pronounces it as Celtic instead of Celtic, which is like, you know, our local basketball team, the Boston Celtics. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say that. It's like, well, you know, go with whatever you, whatever works for you. It's fine. But I'm saying, yeah, Luigi, it's funny that Mario goes away and leaves Luigi to deal with the vacuum cleaner because, again, Luigi is really good with vacuum cleaners. Luigi's Mansion. But, uh, you know, again, they, it's funny that they have a cassette tape of bagpipe music. So at some point, one of these brothers went like, Hey, Mario, do you want to be a good idea? Let's get some uh, bagpipe music. And he's like, that's a good idea. I hope it's uh, on a keyboard or synthesized. I hope so, too. Yeah, it's not even bagpipe music. It's like the closest thing he could find. And it's mm. like this, you know, just synth keyboard stuff. I don't know. So still mm. unable to see, Roddy asks for another towel. And Mario now passes him some sort of soiled rag. 
While Luigi scrambles to work on these bagpipes, Roddy vigorously wipes his face while muttering to himself about how upset he gets with people that, quote, mess him over. Roddy looks into the mirror, sees that his face is once again covered in dirt. He screams to the Mario brothers that they messed him over. And now Roddy stares and growls, and uh, we get a cartoon Mario face fly into frame and fill the screen. Now, cutting back, we see that Luigi is working hard on the bagpipes with a wrench as uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper stands right up to him, staring at his face, occasionally smacking the side of his head to get the water out of his ears, I suppose. <laughs> so, somehow, the bagpipes... He didn't dunk his head into a bucket of water. I didn't see that. No, I know, exactly. Well, I guess maybe that was part of the cleaning process in that sink. What, just putting water into his ears? I guess. Maybe. And somehow, the bagpipes play the Mario theme, so I guess Luigi maybe knows how to fix them after all. Ah. Alright, so while this is going on, standing in the foreground, Mario tells them to pipe down so they can watch some exciting scenes from the next Legend of Zelda. So, <laughs> this cuts to the title card for the animated series, The Legend of Zelda, which we talked about earlier. Uh, we get a whole series of clips here from the show, along with narration. Princess Zelda shows Link the Triforce of Wisdom, and explains that Ganon has the Triforce of Power, and whoever possesses both will rule the land forever. And uh, she asks Link for help, and he says, Hey, for you, Zelda, anything! And uh, there's a great moment in these clips where <laughs> Ganon is trapped in a bubble, and he slowly floats down to the floor, and you can see the, the edge of the animation cell as he moves down. Well, it's, you know... It, it's a reverse Poochie. <laughs> yeah. It, in this episode, it's supposed to be apparently, this little trailer, it seems to be like he's, his uh, minions decide to go against him. Yeah. You know, it's like, now we're in charge! They throw him into a bottomless pit. Yeah, which is the crux of the story, I guess. I guess. I never saw it. So the clips finish with the title card, The Legend of Zelda, once again, featuring the logo, and we see Link holding up a sword, and we get the words, This Friday, because like I mentioned earlier, Mario aired Monday through Thursday, Zelda on Fridays. Okay, so back to our live-action segment, Mario and Luigi continue to attempt to work on the bagpipes with scared expressions on their faces as Roddy tells them to hurry up. Uh, he tells them that he has uh, has to play the Scots National Anthem at Madison Square Garden that night for a fight. What? That's why he needs them. He needs to play the Scots National Anthem. That's what he says. So, Luigi says he's finished, but Roddy isn't happy with the results because they're still hooked up to the vacuum cleaner. Uh, Luigi tells him not to worry and demonstrates the new pipes by plugging them in, causing them to play themselves. Roddy now sways back and forth to the music with a goofy smile on his face. Roddy goes crazy with joy, embracing both Mario Brothers and telling them how great they are. And as Rowdy Roddy Piper shakes the Mario Brothers just insane with glee, we fade to black. <laughs> uh, He's given a lot of energy, I gotta say. It's so crazy, and it's so... It's just, it's a lot of fun, these live-action things. It's so sad to know that, we, you know, we lost all three of these guys, but it's so, it's such a great little segment here. It's so stupid. Okay, so this fades back into the Mario Brothers dancing and saying, Until next time, everybody, do the Mario! And as the closing credits roll, <laughs> we get the amazing closing sequence of the show, featuring more dancing live-action Mario... <laughs> Superimposed over an animated background, and actually Lou Albano singing the closing song of the show, Do the Mario. He does it in such a clumsy manner. Because, like, if that's him saying, like, sing your arms from side to side, he's like that. <laughs> it's like, that's nothing like a normal voice, but it is just funny that they decided to make a dance, which basically is supposed to make it look like you're running, 
and taking a step and then running. You know, I didn't even think of that. That's probably what he does in the open, like to just run in place. <laughs> That's yeah. all he's doing. Swing your arms from side to side. Uh, take a step back and forth. That's all that he sings to do. That Those are the only moves of doing the Mario. That's funny. Yeah. No, it's like, take a step then again. Because it's, yes. it's take a step forward, and that's it. Yeah. That's just like, it's, that's the entire song. Like, you know, swing your arms from side to side, take one step, and then again. So you're taking two steps and swing your arms and walking very slowly. That's just it. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just like at the end of it, where you see him dancing, doing the Mario, while swinging his arms and taking a step and, you know, trying to get people into, into the dance. The end of it, when he has to do the whole freeze, stop kind of thing, he kind of like <laughs> takes a misstep. If you notice, and it's like, yeah, that's good enough. We'll just put that in. So he, he stops, poses, but then like messes his foot up and does, takes another step again. And then it's like, yeah, that's good enough. Like no one thought like, we should we take a second take of this? Like, nah, one's enough. No, we can't because we got a severe thunderstorm alert. He really has to finish the forecast. So sorry, yeah. Captain Lou. We got to get a move on here. <laughs> it's so great. And and keep in mind, I believe this is before Do the Bartman. This is definitely before uh, Do the Urkel. So, you know, this is kind of at the very beginning of the do the something craze that uh, happened on television do, shows do the something do the something craze everyone remembers yeah. the do the something craze oh yeah fill in, do the fill in the blank yeah. all right so anyways mario finishes the singing and dancing we get the logos for deke and viacom and uh, that ends our episode and that ends our look back at the mushroom kingdom 30 years ago so hamish what are your thoughts now upon watching super mario brothers super show for the podcast it is aged like fine wine. <laughs> it is the perfect show for perfect people. Um, it was good. I mean, here's the thing. Like, for the time when I was a kid and I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is the best you got from Mario. I mean, if you could afford the games, you watched the show. Uh, whenever it was on for us. I can't remember when. Because I remember it was, I think it was on Channel 7 here in Australia. But, like, it's one of those shows which I do remember watching on TV but it's not like one of those shows where it's like oh man this is the best animated show it's like no it's it's not I know I know it's mm-hmm. crummy I know it's cheap I know it's like yeah you're basically watching it because you know it's after school and you just want something to kill your brain cells also Mario it's the thing that you like but no I again for the best they've got this is the best they could produce for a show which was basically marketing product unlike other Deke shows like Inspector Gadget which is far better animation it's doing its purpose to sell a product, and yeah, you, you, they kind of have to kind of manufacture these stories, even though none of this, none of this is a, is real, uh, you know, real Mario canon, Mario lore, you know, right. you know, uh, you know, the real Mario lore comes from the games. So yeah, I think I think this was a good compromise for you know, I guess for kids who wanted a little bit more from the old Mario franchise, yeah. and they also wanted to see a guys in their forty, was it forties, fifties? Uh, Captain Lou was in his fifties, yeah, and. Uh... And uh, J- Danny Wells was just about there, yeah. Yeah, that's all we wanted to see. That's all we wanted to see. All the blokes pertaining to be iconic characters that we love. <laughs> and yeah, just, you know, just like you, I enjoy the nostalgic uh, factor of this episode, even though I, it was really a little bit before our times, you know, it kind of was in that re-airing when we were really little. But uh, I recommend going on Netflix while it's there, uh, just watch the live action stuff. I mean, the cartoons are okay. You can kind of pick and choose like, oh, this one is pretending to be a Star Wars parody. I'll check this one out. Or, you know, this one is kind of an Indiana Jones parody. I'll check this one out. But just watch those live action segments. You know, they're only like a minute or two at the very beginning of the episodes. Those are so great. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really a wrestling fan or anything, but uh, this is what I know uh, Lou Albano from. It was so great in this role as Mario. 
And I definitely remember that as a kid is seeing seeing him. The, those memories have, have far more outlasted the ones of the the cartoon show, which uh, animation wise eh, probably hasn't hel- held up too well. But just the fact that we get, you know, a cartoon Mario, an animated Mario, we haven't really gotten one since. There's talks in, about a movie in the works, possibly. So, you know, maybe eventually we'll get something. But kind of a surprise that this is all it's been for many, many years. But uh, yeah, go back and watch the show. You'll have a blast and, uh, you know, pick something that uh, is a little more culturally sensitive than this episode. Sorry, Hamish. <laughs> yeah, I'm always insulted when I see uh, Australian culture being defiled like this. <laughs> I, I, I know it's a real serious thing and it's, you know, they're just trying to destroy my culture. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's, it happens. Everyone was into it for a while. It was big. It was very big in the U.S. anyway. All right, so that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, what Paul Hogan means to you, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Hamish, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, you can just find me on um, Twitter. That's it, the Twitter. Uh, Twitter, Silent Hamish. Instagram, Silent Hamish. Uh, Facebook page, which is Silent Hamish Art on Facebook. Uh, I keep mentioning I gotta update it. I do, sporadically. So yeah, I'm out there, you know, on the internet's very good. If you listen to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts now, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you'll get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream in our download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app, so check us out on those platforms. Uh, if you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel, set Hitting Play as a favorite, and you can stream these episodes right through your television as they are released. Well, we have been Hamish and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Do the Mario! Do the Mario! Who's the mother? Mother of Mario Come yeah. on, it's Mama time. Mario and do Papa Luigi. Papa, Papa Mario. Oh yeah, Mario's the last do name. The Mario yeah, his father was called Steve. Come on now, Steve Mario. Like that. That's the mystery, Steve Mario. <laughs>